There's a permeating feeling of powerless everywhere around us right now. Over the last few years, people have begun to discuss and debate power even more fiercely, consistently, and desperately than ever before. With mass shootings, record inflation, wars, international crisis, new threats of disease, the price of gas, and the unpredictability of modern life, things feel a little crazy right now. Compound that with all the negativity thrown at people from all angles since forever, many don't feel empowered and don't have a lot of faith in their ability to handle the challenges life throws at them. Still many feel uncertain about life, health, and even our safety when we leave our homes. Rather than feeling like we're in charge of our lives, we feel like we're on hold waiting for something to happen, for something to change, or for things to get back to normal. It's like we're in suspended animation. This sense of powerlessness is common. What if ultimate power is lying dormant within you or available right in front of your grasp? God has made provision for this hour with a heavenly catalyst called the anointing. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will begin our conversation on the anointing, how to walk in God's special power, breaking yokes, and the secret to real impact and transformation. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Keep It 100 podcast. We are so excited that you're with us for this episode because today we're talking about the anointing versus appealing nofo oil here. Come on somebody, this is going to be a great conversation. This is going to be a good one. And hey, what's up Keep It 100 tribe? Come on. Hey, we want to talk about where we've been and what God's been doing. Uh, Recently we were at CLC, a Christian Life Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Wonderful people. Love, Love those people. And we saw just God move so powerfully. Sean preached two Sunday morning services. I preached Sunday night and they had kind of a encounter, I should say a revival service on Sunday night. But we just saw throughout all of Sunday, God move in a really powerful way. It was. We saw a number of people give their life to the Lord, which we're consistently seeing right now. Yeah. And we just saw healings, prophetic ministry, words of knowledge, people just crashing the altar in, a, in the most glorious way. And it was awesome to see the number of deliverances. There was just some significant deliverances that really stuck out in my life. And you could just feel the water level of God rise in the service. And I just feel like it's such a time to expect God to do more. Like we're not coming to church just to do and have some sort of service like we did pre-COVID. That we've come into a place in time where God is signaling that this is a new era and he's releasing his spirit in a new way. You know, I love your saying that because we really just saw, you know, there's a hunger in the pews in America right now. There are people that are coming expectant for an encounter. And because of that, we are seeing such powerful moves of God because there's such a hunger and God doesn't deny the hungry. You know, and as we saw that, come on, we're, and, and we saw a bunch of people baptized in the Holy Spirit on Sunday night. And oh, that right. was awesome. Yes. And speaking of baptism in the Holy Spirit, our home church, uh, we were asked to come in and just kind of work with the prayer team and the worship team in the areas of just moving at altars and, and also pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was awesome. We had um, maybe four or five that were instantly healed it was, or excuse me, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was really awesome. And a couple didn't even have hands laid on them. It's just a sovereign move of God. And I just love the hunger that is being displayed by people right now of just for the more of God. And it was so cool because you pulled up some leaders that some of them probably have never uh, prophesied over people in a, in a corporate context.
context like that. And immediately as we kind of modeled and taught on the prophetic, they stepped out and was able to be used of God. And just to get the praise reports back on how their words connected to people, that was so amazing. It really was. I, I, I'm passionate about people getting empowered in who they are and, and discovering Holy Spirit, using them, but also dwelling within them. That to me is like one of my life passions, you know, and then we got to be a part of Occupy Houston. Come on. It was so cool to be with our great friend uh, from the UK, but now Nigeria, Tommy yeah. Ariomi. And there were so many phenomenal, great oh people. Uh, Jesse Green was there. Jane Hammond was there. Yeah. Ryan Lestrange. Mm -hmm. I mean, just on and on and on. Jeremiah Johnson. They was just incredible. And so to be able to speak there at such a, a, a mighty conference, thousands of people in attendance was simply amazing. It really was. And it was just an honor to come along. Uh, I feel like key, key voices right now, key prophetic voices that are really speaking that God word right now, not just giving us a nice fluffy word, but it's like the portions of that feast that the Lord is preparing at his table right now. And we just ate up. I, so to me, that's like so exciting. Okay. Keep it 100 tribe. Are you ready for this? We have an exciting, exciting announcement. I mean, drum roll, please, because Sean and I are actually doing our first event. That's right. Sean and I are actually for the first time uh, doing an event here in the Bay Area. Come on, Bay Area. And we are hosting a prophetic masterclass, a two-day intensive. We're bringing in our dear friend, powerful prophetic voice, Julian Adams. He currently lives with Katia, his wife, who we had on the last uh, podcast episode about absolutes. So Julian's coming in to speak about words of knowledge. I'm going to be talking about the prophetic ministry, and Sean's going to be talking about prophetic evangelism. We're going to have a total of six sessions of teaching and three sessions of impartation and personal ministry. So a total of nine sessions. The date of this is September 16th and 17th. And this is really important because we really want this to be a powerful in-person event uh, because we've been doing Zoom for so long. We've been doing virtual events for so long. We believe it's time for the bride to, gath to gather, get imparted into, equipped, and actually sent out, so to speak. And so we really want to invite you to come. Will you consider coming and joining us? If you live out of state, there is a bunch of information of what airport to fly into, hotels to stay in, and that is at seanandchrisasmith.com. And you can register today. You can get more information about the event today. You can share it with your friends and family. But what's cool is we just released it like maybe five, six days ago now, and we already have some people registered. We're super excited at the response we're already getting. People want to be empowered in hearing God's voice. You know, I'm really excited, Boo, about this prophetic masterclass that we're going to do because you and I, we have been so impacted by the prophetic. Right. We've had mentors in our life. And so many people are coming to us and say, hey, would you mentor us? How do you prophesy? How do you get words of knowledge? Hey, how do you flow in prophetic evangelism in the streets? Give me an understanding from scripture. And so we're excited that we're going to put together this two-day prophetic masterclass. Put it on your calendar, September 16th and 17th. You do not want to miss it. Come to the beautiful, sunny Bay Area of Northern California. It's so pretty. There are major airports you could fly into, but we want to download into you. You're going to come in one way, and we believe you're going to leave another way, that you're going to be able to hear the voice of God at another level. You're going to begin to prophesy and be able to encourage people at your workplace, at your school, at your family, your home. You're going to be able to be used to get words of knowledge, to see healings, and partner with what heaven wants to release in people's lives, and be able to flow in prophetic evangelism so you could be leading people to the Lord and no longer be ashamed of testifying and witnessing of Jesus because you're going to be equipped. So again, we want to invite you to our prophetic masterclass two-day intensive. Krista and I both will be doing two sessions, as Krista said. We're going to have, as she already stated, our good friend Julian Adams. But we have made this extremely affordable. We're taking a lot of time to share this because we so believe and we'll be giving you some updates later on in some of our podcast episodes. Hey, as we're talking about that, uh, recently I had heard about this particular documentary. And 
Krista and I had both been like, hey, do we want to watch it? Don't we want to watch it? Do we want to watch it? And uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of it. It was on Discovery Plus, but it was called Hillsong, A Mega Church Exposed. Uh, going into it, I think we both knew, Krista, that there would probably be, because of who was doing it, that there'd be some agendas. And in those agendas, sometimes you'll get a bias. Uh, there'll definitely be a different narrative. And I would just say, hey, if your heart is already prone to negativity and suspicion, this documentary <laughs> won't do your spiritual life much Definitely good, not. but it, it does have some uses. And, and of course, many of you know uh, Hillsong. You guys are familiar with Pastor Brian Houston out of Sydney, but now they're all over the world, London, and obviously a lot of it centered on, on that church. And I just want to jump in. For those of you that know a little bit about my story, I actually went to Hillsong and I went to their pastoral ministry program in the early 2000s. And I actually had a great experience there. I do want to just put on the table, uh, this is a collection of people's experiences and things that um, happened and whatnot. But I do want to just say there are some other people's experiences like my own uh, that were really positive and that I actually gleaned a lot from Hillsong Church and the movement. And it imparted a lot into my life that was awesome and was kingdom and was godly. So just we want to bring some balance uh, to that as well. That's great. I'm so glad you share that. And then also, you know, in this uh, mini series, a three part mini series or documentary, it also focused on Carl Lentz out of Hillsong NYC and, and other places. Hillsong London and many places it was at. Now, I am never interested in simply speaking against God's anointed or participating in rumor. There was some stuff there that I immediately, I'm just going to, this is keep it 100. I'm, I'm going to be real. I thought it was pretty bogus. Like they're using their worship to hypnotize people so they can get money from people. False. Like no way. They were saying that the greeters at the church were kind of groomed or, or, or they were grooming people to come in again to, so they get money from you. Uh, like, like that stuff is so unbelievable. You, you recognize the angle of it. And I, I did some research as to who put it on. And it, it was some, you know, some secular journalists. They pulled some folks uh, that uh, were, I don't know, they served the church, but they were former. And and it, it was just a lot of things. But having said that, there are some lessons that I felt like we gleaned from it. Not, I just wanted to share a couple and, and Chris is going to share some. Uh, one of the lessons that I learned is that the church should only have one spotlight. And that spotlight needs to be on Jesus. Uh, we are not trying to be a celebrity. There's really only one celebrity, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really was underscored in my heart. We got to have one spotlight. And in fact, our lives should be a spotlight on Jesus because we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus the central focus of your ministry? Is Jesus the focal, uh, central focus of your life? And you can't make the mistake of walking out your calling and assignment as if you're bringing attention or trying to gain a following or any of those things. And so those are a couple lessons that I learned. You know, and I think one of the lessons I really took, walked away with after watching this, because I think the truth is, you know, I was in that culture. I was a part of it. And so again, I had a very different experience, but I also recognize I've been a part of other ministries that have had moral failures. And I've been a part of other ministries that have had scandals. You know, the, unfortunately, uh, they're somewhat common, which is really sad, but that's actually what we're trying to talk about. We're trying to address how do you avoid that scandal and how do you um, remove yourself from being in that position to fall and to compromise. And I think one of the common patterns that Sean and I have both observed in our life and just at times being proxy to um, that moral failure that we see in the church is before a person falls, they've often started neglecting prayer. They've started neglecting the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in their own life. They've stopped connecting with the Lord. They've stopped reading the word, meditating on the word, stopped allowing the word to be a scalpel in their life. Um, they've stopped in a sense repenting. There's often a lack of the fear of God and there's kind of a casualty and a familiarity when in the presence. And when 
there's a casualty and a familiarity when being in the presence, that's when you can live in a double life and you can bring in sin without a conscience because your conscience has been seared through a pattern of rebellious living. And when you live in that place, that's a very scary place to live because when the Holy Spirit is not given access to convict, which the conviction of the Lord causes us to come to repentance, when that process is eliminated, that's a very dangerous place. And that's often the precursor prior to someone having a moral failure. And we see this in Judges 16, 20, when it's talking about Samson. Here, Samson's this mighty, mighty man of God. And yet the anointing has left him. The presence of the Lord has left him and he doesn't even know. And he doesn't know because he's lost a connection with the Lord. And he's not even aware the presence has lifted him because he's become so callous to the presence. He's not even aware that he's not even walking in the atmosphere of the Lord anymore. So you and I have to recognize value, but also guard the anointing on our lives. And that's by growing in discernment and detecting on others and even situations you're walking into is the Lord on this and in this, you know, just quick story in my life. I grew up just, you know, loving God and radical for God, but a lot of my friends were not serving God. And so I found myself and I went to public junior high, public high school and whatnot. And I even went to a Christian university, but honestly, it was pretty secular. Um, Everyone was like, you know, partying at a, a, a state college nearby and then coming back to the private Christian university, you know, drunk and different things. So I've been in those settings, both just full out secular. And then I've been in those settings that are pretending to be Christian, but in but in fact, aren't living for God. And so I've been in both and both actually are very detrimental. But I found myself in this place where I constantly had to walk in my discernment that the Lord had given me about where I was to be and who I wasn't to who I wasn't to be around. And there are many times on Friday nights, especially in college, where I'd be invited out to go to places, but I had a check in my spirit. I had that witness of the Holy Spirit, like what others can, you cannot, not out of a place of legalism, not out of a place of religious routine, but out of a place of the conviction of the Holy Spirit that where I go, where my feet go, where my presence is at is really important because I am called to live a consecrated life, a life of righteousness, a life of holiness. And then I had made a Nazarite call. So I wasn't going to drink. I wasn't going to party, which Sean and I still live in a Nazarite call. We don't drink. We don't, um, you know, have that in our lives um, because we've chosen a place of consecration that the Lord has put that upon us, but we recognize and walk in discernment of what we can be involved in, what we can't be involved in. You want to guard that anointing in your life. You have to have a discretion and a wisdom of the Lord of what you, of the places and the spaces in which you fill. That is so great. And you know, I, I think to sum this up, is it you, you really, again, I want to underscore, don't make the mistake of walking out your calling from an empty space. Yeah. Samson got empty. One of the things that kind of was highlighted in the midst of this documentary is that even by one of the minister's own admission that he had just allowed himself to get so depleted. And so you've got to make sure you're getting oil. Make sure you're getting oil. You're being anointed. It is a story of the five wise virgins and the five wise virgins. They made sure that they had oil in their lamp, which represents the anointing. And so they were not ministering from an empty space, but the five foolish virgins, they ran out of oil at a time in which uh, the guy came and they were not ready. Keep 100, this episode, as you probably can already sense, is going to be spicy. And so we're excited. And so we're going to be talking about this thing of anointing versus appealing. No full oil here. Now, in this season, I just want to emphasize something that kind of is a foundational thought and kind of what I believe to be really a prophetic kind of understanding and framing of where we're at right now. A new season requires a fresh anointing. I want to say that again because my voice is cracked because I'm so excited. A new season requires 
requires a fresh anointing. And right now, I believe we're coming into a new prophetic hour and God is calling us to become carriers of his glory that will break the yokes of bondage, sin and sickness, and set people free wherever we go. One of the things early on as a young believer, I would always pray, God, make me a carrier of your glory to this generation. What in essence I was praying, gang, is I was saying, God, Lord, allow me to walk in your anointing in fullness. And to kind of give a little bit of a brief kind of background and segue to this, we in the spirit-filled circle speak of the anointing as something Christians can and should be seeking. So this is something you ought to seek. You ought to be seeking God for more oil. You ought to be seeking the Lord for the real oil, for the increase in the anointing. You know, it's common to speak of anointed preachers, anointed sermons, anointed ministries, anointed songs, and to advise others to walk in their anointing. But the idea is that the anointing is an outpouring of God's power to accomplish a task through the anointed one himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, that is so, so good. You know, just continuing to give some backdrop and even some foundation of this conversation, I want to define what is the anointing. So firstly, the anointing is an impartation of God's supernatural ability upon an available and yielded vessel, that's you and I, to enable us to do his work efficiently and effectively. Come that's on. super important. So in other words, I just kind of want to break it down. It's a divine ability infused upon a vessel, you and me, to enable us to operate like Jesus in the spheres that we live in. So that's really important. Secondly, the anointing is that divine energy, not the new age energy. Remember, Ooh, the new age is a counterfeit snap. version, right? So the enemy imitates everything. He can create nothing. And so we talk about divine energy. That's the Holy Spirit. That's anointed. The anointed is that divine energy that comes upon you and I and separates us from ourselves and fills us with his power such that when we speak, it's like God speaking. And when you act, it's like the Lord ministering through you and in you, right? So it feels like the Lord himself is ministering through you and in you when the anointing is upon you. And then lastly, the anointing is God's mark of distinction that separates us, separates you, your life, your endeavors, even your emotional health from everyone else. There is a clear separation. When someone walks in the anointing, there should be a difference between just that common status quo and the person with the anointing of God on their life. So you are a child of the King. You're set apart. Come on, keep it 100 tribe that are listening today. You need to know you are not called to look like everyone else. You are an anointed child of the Lord set apart and everything that sets you apart from the things of this world comes through the anointing of God. I love that you said that the anointing is God's mark of distinction. I think of those times when we've been anointed with oil at the altar. Everybody walks away from the altar with that low oily spot yes. on their forehead. It's a mark of distinction. But we recognize regardless of whether or not you got that oily little look on the tip of your forehead or not, you have that mark of distinction. That's what the anointing does. I, I love this too, Boo. In Acts 10, 38, a scripture to kind of bring again where the word speaks towards the anointing. It says in Acts 10, 38, it speaks of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. But it, notice it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus himself was anointed. We understand there's this thing called the kenosis and it's where Jesus put, if you will, his, he was omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, obviously in glory, but Jesus checked, if you will, those omni qualities at the gate of heaven. And he walked out what it meant to be a follower of almighty God and what it meant to literally be a kingdom person solely by the anointing so that we could do what Jesus did. And of course, Jesus said himself, the works I do, you do greater works than these you do because I go to the father. So what does this tell me? It tells me that the anointing is really gang our divine credentials. It is what it takes to manifest the realities of the kingdom of God, just like we just read that Jesus did. It, it implies really that the anointing is what certifies, reinforces, 
and authenticates God's endorsement upon a life, his divine plans, his purpose. And in the absence of the anointing, the glory is not revealed. In other words, if you're not walking in the anointing, you're not manifesting the glory. And as one of the great church fathers says that the ultimate aim of man is to bring glory to God. So our ultimate aim, if you will, is to walk in the anointing because that's how God is most glorified. All right, keep it 100 tribe. We're going to the Hundo P segment where we take and field questions and we do our best to answer those questions. So question number one, how do I grow in the anointing? I love this question, but you're not going to love the answer. Can I, can I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> I love the question. You're not going to love the answer, but friends, the anointing happens through a crushing process. Ooh. Come on. That really is, we have to picture it. You know, the, the illustration that is used throughout scripture is about new wine and wine represents the anointing. That's how new wine is made. It's made through the crushing of the grapes. So we live in a generation where many are gifted, come on somebody, mm -hmm. but they don't want to be crushed. And, mm -hmm. and we have to understand that God wants those that are willing to be crushed to go through that refining process because God is processing, crushing, and refining you where there is an anointing. And he's doing that so that you can actually steward the anointing that he's given you with. And here's what's really important. I can look at the timeline of my life and see a repeated process of the crushing. And so many times we want to think, oh, it's just a one-time thing. But friends, here, I told you, you're not going to like the answer. It's going to be a repeated process, but it's necessary because we have flesh, we have self, we have ego, we have blind spots, we have places that are broken that need to be healed. And the Lord in his actual kindness and his love for us actually wants us to go deeper in him. But there is an invitation for the crushing in our lives. I can look at my life at, you know, when I was working the fashion industry and I turned down the offer for more money and a promotion if I stayed and not go to Bible college, I turned it down. I turned down that security. And then I went to Bible college. Then I go to Bible college and then I get offered a position at that church. The Lord says, nope, this isn't what I have for you. I turned down that amazing offer. I come back only to work at a front desk as a front desk person at a mortgage broker firm. And I'm sleeping on a denim couch um, with my nephew for over a year. And I'm like, God, you called me here, but no doors are opening. It was when 9-11 was happening. And it was like such a pressing season because the Lord was working out ego in me. He was working out self, um, self uh, uh, independence within me. Although God called us to be independent, uh, he's called us to be dependent on him. And I had some self stuff that I needed to have the Lord work out in me. And then after all of that, then the Lord opens up my first opportunity for ministry. But there, even after that was seasons of pressing and crushing. And even as we, Sean and I have seen uh, the continued refining, crushing process, even as adults that happens. And we welcome it because we recognize we want to be vessels of the Holy Spirit. We recognize in our humanity, in our flesh, that process we must repeatedly go through because of the kindness of the Lord. He's actually protecting us from ourselves and seeing at times um, areas that need to be refined within his fire, right? We're invited into this process. So I want you to understand the purpose, but also the value of the crushing. You know, I think a scripture I think about, and that's so profound. I love that. That If you want to grow an anointing, you have to sign up for the crushing process. And, and really what the crushing process is, the Bible says, fall upon the rock and be broken or the rock falls upon you and you're crushed. And, and obviously the context here is you have a choice in this. You can choose to embrace God's dealings that empty you out, that causes you to be broken. Because when that brokenness, and again, we're not talking about unhealthy brokenness. We're talking about a brokenness where humility and Jesus can shine through you, where it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And so that's what this thing that Chris is talking about, we're trying to get across, is that this crushing process is so key. Don't run from it, run to it. Fall upon the rock. Don't wait for the rock to fall upon you. I love that. I'm so glad you added 
added that because I think as we're just talking about, it's such a good question. How do you grow on the anointing? I think I would just lastly add, at least for me, and then I'd love to hear maybe what you have to say, but it's like, know the reason for your anointing. That's I think good. there has to be a focus and yep. a purpose. You're not just anointed for no purpose. You're anointed right. for a reason. So the nature and the measure of your anointing are actually given to you from the Lord in accordance to the purposes he has for you. You got to get that. You know, this divine ability is not given to you arbitrarily. It is not given to you with the option to use it or not to use it. And it's not given you merely for your own self-serving purposes. Preach. And that's really important because a lot of people, that's where they get, in a sense, um, sidetracked as they realize, oh my gosh, I have an anointing. God's using me powerfully. And then all of a sudden it becomes about them. And that's when you get into a lot of trouble. See, the anointing is granted exclusively for the fulfillment of a specific purpose, a call or an assignment. So I'm going to a service, right? I'm walking mm -hmm. into to minister to people. That's my assignment. That's the purpose of why the Lord has the anointing on me for that assignment. Whether that purpose is in the area of the church or some of you are like, I'm called to business. Some of you are like, I'm called to arts or education or sports or technology, law, you know, uh, politics, government, science, medicine, whatever it is that you're called to, it can only be achieved in God. Therefore, no matter what sphere of influence or territory the Lord has called you in in our society today that he's assigned to you, if you're working out of the purpose of God on your life that he's given you, then you can be assured that God will provide you his anointing to accomplish his plans and purposes in you and through you. Folks, I just want to tell you, there are chicken nuggets and they're gold nuggets. You just got some gold nuggets. Everybody got chicken <laughs> nuggets. I'm looking for the gold nuggets. I would add, how do you grow in the anointing? I would just add, hey, one of the things I've found is that you need to have a degree of consistency in exercising the anointing. Uh, I, I, I found that if you don't use it, you lose it. And the anointing uh, must not only be received, but it must be progressively maintained. In other words, uh, you have to understand the nature of that anointing and it doesn't necessarily rest permanently upon a vessel. It weans, it lifts, it flows, it's, it ebbs, especially when it's not utilized. So in other words, you can't just go around and try to go to different conferences and different hang around different people and get the anointing, get the anointing, get the anointing. Uh, you, you have an inflow, but if there's no outflow, if you're not releasing that anointing, remember in Luke, uh, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bind up the broken harder to proclaim liberty to captives, to open prison doors, uh, to proclaim liberty to captives again. Uh, this whole thing is about you have to exercise the anointing. There's a need for you not to just get it uh, to build your Instagram following or to look cool, to look good, to, to make a selfie and show everybody how you're being used. It is about serving the purposes of God and serving the people around you. I love that. Great, great answer. I hope Keep It 100 Tribe, you're grabbing. I just feel like there, like you said, there are some gold nuggets being talked about today. I love it. All right, next question. What determines the level and depth of anointing which a person can carry in a generation? Again, that is a great question. That is a good question. My initial answer is I think spiritual hunger is the most important ingredient in drawing on the anointing. I think Jesus demonstrated that the Pharisees and Sadducees, one time they're all sitting in a room where Jesus is at, and the Bible says the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. But none of them were getting healed. Why? Because they weren't hungry. They were there to pick an argument. They were there to find a fault. They were the original clapback crowd. They were trying to find some sort of reason to cast shade upon Jesus. And so the anointing didn't hit them. But all of a sudden, four guys tear open a roof and drop their friend who was paralyzed and he immediately gets healed. And it tells me something about the anointing, the level of desire, zeal, hunger, thirst, or appetite that one manifest determines the level of anointing that they will move in. So it not only your appetite and your spiritual thirst and your spiritual hunger will draw the anointing towards you, but also it enables you to walk in a greater anointing. And I, I would
would also add in that because there's so much. Are, are, let me ask you a question. Are you listener right now, wherever you're sitting at, are you hungry and thirsty for God to receive glory and to move in the miraculous and to be, I, I love to say it, a UPS man or woman, United Pentecostal service. We're dropping off the gifts of God to the world around us. Are you hungry to be used of God? If you are, you you will not escape the anointing of God on your life. In other words, if you're hungry and thirsty, you're going to be used. I say a second thing that determines the, the level and depth of the anointing is spiritual disciplines. That's something early on I began to practice. Uh, there's some great books out there. I think Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines, phenomenal books. But uh, the spiritual disciplines of an individual are going to determine the amount of anointing one can carry. Because your human spirit is developed as you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, spend time in His presence, pray in your heavenly language, you make sacrifices through prayer, fasting, and meditation. And what you do is you enlarge your spirit. And as you enlarge your spirit, it is able to contain more oil. I think what Smith Wigglesworth says, I'm a, a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. What he's saying is my spirit man is big. And because that container is so big, he could carry oil and see what 20 some odd people uh, certifiably raised from the dead. And I believe that's what you're called to do too. And so your spiritual disciplines will play a big part in that. Great. Great answer. I love that. You know, we're just continuing the conversation of the level and depth of anointing in our lives. I think one key to that is we really need to value the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives in order to walk in the anointing, right? There has to be a value system within you of like, I recognize the anointing. I love the anointing. I pursue the anointing. I want the presence of God in my life. I pursue the presence. I'm I'm being intentional about connecting with Holy Spirit on a daily basis. You know, Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? In order to be in agreement with Holy Spirit, you have to honor him. Yep. And, you know, just on the other side of that statement, you know, if you dishonor the Lord, that's actually when you're grieving him. So we, of course, read in scripture, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Some people don't yes. understand that. How do I grieve the Holy Spirit? By not honoring him, by not giving him place. And so when you take his place or you allow something else to take the place of where Holy Spirit wants to dwell in your life, there's a dishonor, there's a grieving that takes place. And, you know, most people wouldn't know that the Holy Spirit's left them because it's been so long. And I think that there's an important element where we have to be really aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life and our connection with the Holy Spirit. We're taking inventory. We're checking our hearts for offense. We're checking if we need to forgive anyone. That's ways practically that Sean and I really keep our hearts connected with Holy Spirit. And we keep that free flowing movement of the anointing in our lives as we're constantly in this place of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you have place. Is there anything in my heart that would limit you moving in me and through me? You know, back when I was in college, and that's so good, boo. Back when I was in college, I had to take a class where we learned about uh, conductors and superconductors. And I kind of referred to this in our earlier podcast, but that a conductor or conductivity levels uh, kind of determine the amount of electricity or voltage or wattage that could flow through one wire versus another wire through one object to another object. So here's what I would say. How much anointing that is able to flow through our lives depends on a conductivity level of those ministered to. So now this is one of the things that uh, I say, you need to fellowship with the hungry. You need to get around people that are hungry, get in a small group where there's some hungry people. Because according to this law, like electricity, the amount of electricity that can flow through an object to a larger extent depends on how good and how bad the conductor is. So it's twofold. Like number one, everything we've talked about, you want to live a consecrated life. You want to be set apart to the Lord. You want to dedicate your life to the purposes of worshiping God. But I would also talk about that it also is contingent upon the atmosphere you place yourself in. So that anointing is not going to flow through yourself at the club, at the rave, Come at on. the little, it, can sit up at somebody's party and get your little CBD going. No, no, no. It's going to happen when you get in a holy environment, when you get around people. And holy environment could be your work 
workplace. It could be your your college study group. It, it doesn't have to be church because you are the church, but you have to understand your purpose. And so this is so important in terms of how the anointing is able to accelerate and increase in your life. Yeah. And we can't have this question without adding the topic of consecration to yep. the table, right? Because for me, there has to be a posture of consecration in your life. If you want to walk in the anointing. When we're seeing so much failure, moral mm-hmm. failure, and we're seeing so much stuff junk exposed is because there has not been a posture of consecration in someone's life. If you want the anointing, there must be a consecration. The flesh must be surrendered to Holy Spirit. Bottom line, like mm-hmm. there's no shortcut to that. There's no way of getting around that. If you're not willing to consecrate yourself, you will not walk in a depth in the anointing. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I'm saying in the area of being used by the Lord with the anointing of God, there must be a measure, a massive measure for that matter of consecration because, you know, the degree of consecration manifested or exhibited by a vessel, that's your your eye. It really is crucial in regards to the anointing on someone's life, having access to the supernatural. And like I said, there's no shortcuts to operating in the anointing of God. There's so no good. shortcut to the intimacy you cultivate. You know, I remember someone saying years ago, you know, we were studying in Bible college, Catherine Coleman, Smith Wigglesworth, all these like Mariah Woodworth Etter, like all these like powerful people, John Knox out of Scotland and Evan Roberts out of Wales. And we were studying all these powerful people. And I remember one of our Bible teachers saying, hey, we can admire and be inspired by all these people's lives, but all of these people had an intimate relationship with Jesus and you have one life and you get to choose the level of intimacy. And I thought, ooh, you can't blame that on anyone else. You can't blame that on your family. You can't blame that on what you were born into. You can't blame that on your hardship. You can't blame it on your trauma. I'm not minimizing any of those things, but you and I choose the level of the depth of how how we go after God. And these people chose to surrender everything and live from a place of consecration. Therefore, the anointing was great. We want the anointing, but we don't always want the consecration. And the consecration is really, really a key to this because, you know, we have to understand that God puts his anointing on his servants because you and I are, we're precious commodity. And the Lord expects a higher level of consecration from his vessels so he can invest more and more upon us. Next question. How do I know when the anointing has come upon me? Awesome question. I love to address this. Uh, The anointing quite simply brings results. It's impossible to have the anointing on you and not see God results. The anointing is not just, hey, you're productive checking off a checklist of your to-do list. But I'm talking about the anointing brings about God-given kingdom evidence results. And the, the bottom line is there'll be no growth in your walk with God without his anointing operating on your life. Your growth in your walk with God. A lot of times, I, you know, you talk to people and they go, I don't seem to be growing uh, in the things of God. And I, I seem to take two steps forward to take three steps back. And bottom line is, are you are you stewarding properly that anointing on your life? Because the anointing is going to have results. You're going to grow with anointings on you. And, and I'd also say this, that when the anointing comes on you, you're going to experience changes. In fact, many changes. You're going to begin to experience miracles, signs and wonders in your life. Uh, obviously, we know miracles are the divine supernatural interventions of God. Uh, and I've found that when the anointing is present. The things that in the past that you tried to get accomplished but couldn't, they work when the anointing is there. And it's so important because in the anointing, God steps through the supernatural to do that which only God can do. You know, I love that. And I would just simply add, because what you said was so thorough, was so, so solid, but I would just simply add the anointing will actually cause you to have a change in purpose and a change in your heart, your mind, your actions. And you'll no longer have any sense that you're able to bring radical change to your life and certainly not to anyone else's life without 
a total submission to God. I think you have a real reality check uh, when you walk with the Lord, especially when you're walking in anointing, that you got nothing, but Jesus has everything. That is so profound. Hey, tribe, right now, we just want to talk a little bit about the difference of anointing and giftings. And I'll just kind of kick it off because one of the things that I think is sometimes confusing to people is they think someone is anointed because they're gifted, but that's not necessarily the case. The Bible lets us know that the giftings and callings of God are irrevocable, but you have to understand the anointing can live. And, and obviously our example of that is Samson. Like he was anointed to do incredible things. The dude ripped a jawbone off a donkey. And obviously the donkey was alive at the time and then beat up an entire troop of Philistines, like with a jawbone of a donkey. But then later on down the line, he's chained up and the guy can't break through because the anointing had lifted and it wasn't until the anointing came back that he was able to break out. And so sometimes I think we see people and we think that they're gifted and we mistake that for the anointing, but it isn't necessarily the case. God gives a gift. There are people that will win Emmys. They're going to win something in terms of a Grammy. They're going to win BET awards, MTV awards, and they're gifted by God, but they're not anointed. And you need to discern and know the difference of that. It's really true because we have to understand we cannot judge God's approval on our lives or even someone else's life, you know, by if they're popular or if they're getting all the awards or how many followers they have on social media. So many times we equate worldly success and worldly affirmation with the affirmation of God. Friends, the two are not connected. Worldly affirmation and worldly popularity does not necessarily, I'm not saying it doesn't, sometimes they are, the person is experiencing both. They have, you know, uh, success and promotion within the world and they have success and promotion with God. And that's beautiful. And I love that. But I think we also also have to understand that just because someone has that charisma, they have that personality, they have the swag, they have the cool style, they're good looking, they say the right thing, they're really polished, they're all the things, they're an expert in their field, they're a great communicator, Uh, you feel something, you're inspired by them, doesn't mean they're anointed by God. The gifts and the charisma of man are not equal to the anointing of God. That is so good. There's even a word, obviously, we know of the charisma of a person. We say that person is a charismatic personality. It means that their personality kind of shines and it could be very fleshly. And then the word for the oil or anointing is charism. So there's charisma and charism. And I believe I'm may I might be mispronouncing that. So don't don't come at me too hard on that. But it, it's two different words there. And we just have to understand that there is a lot. And recently, you know, we've had this conversation, Bo. We've been places and we we've heard some great communicators. Like I, I've I've assisted some of the best communicators that I've heard in my lifetime are really emerging in this generation. They're communicating at levels and clips at an early age. And and obviously some of y'all you've been raised on just watching TED Talks and watching great communication all the time. Communication's coming at you. And so it's easier to get better communication. But I've sensed at one on one side great communication, but I've also sensed the absence of the anointing. And recently we've been in a worship service and you made a comment. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, because I had been exposed to this person's worship before and I'm not trying to call them out, but I do want to use an example because I think it's a solid example. We have to understand, uh, I've been around this person's worship and there's they've been super anointed. I've really felt the presence of God. And when this person was worshiping, there was like no anointing. Like there was no lift on the worship. And what I mean is there's no encounter on the worship. There was not an ushering of the presence of God. If you're a worship leader, there must be an ushering of the presence of God. Otherwise, who are you worshiping, right? We're worshiping God. We're not worshiping ourselves. And so I simply say that there, there was no lift. There was no anointing. And I was like, Lord, what is that? And what's interesting is I have um, been in those settings long enough. And obviously I've been in ministry for 20 plus years and whatnot. But the the when I've seen that happen and that feeling that I had 
that sense that I had in the spirit. Um, typically that's connected with sexual compromise. And so when there's sexual compromise on the platform, the anointing lifts, the anointing will not be present where there is compromise. And so if you are on the platform ministry, if you are leading worship, if you're a preacher of the gospel, you cannot afford to have any sexual compromise. It will lift the anointing quicker. And yes, you're still gifted. Remember the giftings and callings are irrevocable, but you're not anointed. I could be gifted all day long, but I want the anointing of the Lord because it's the anointing that brings transformation. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks bondage. It's the anointing that casts out devils. Otherwise, I'm just doing a TED talk, quote, quote, in the name of Jesus. But we have to understand that we are called to walk in the anointing, not in just a fleshly proclamation of this gospel that's a feel-good gospel. Yes, it does feel good, but it's actually called to change us and transform us. You know, David said something right after his uh, fall, and it's in Psalms, and it speaks to all of us. And he says, Lord, take not thy presence away from me. And so I think of that whole thing that David obviously was gifted. The dude was a phenomenal warrior. He magistrated and led the nation well, but in his own private life, there was a lapse. And his concern at that point has always been probably one of the greatest, if you will, if I could say I, I would dread something, you know, I'm not trying to say that I live with a spirit of fear, but I I would dread losing his presence, losing the anointing. And, and I just think it's so important to understand, hey, you want to have that anointing on you. Spend some time and invest in it. I think it's so important. So, so good. We'll keep it 100 Tribe. Get ready because this is our Keep It 100 Takeaways. Come on, we got five for you today. That's right, five takeaways. And there are five things that the anointing can accomplish through you. The first Keep It 100 Takeaway is the anointing opens doors that have long been shut. I love that about the anointing. The anointing can put you at a table that you don't find, you're like, in the natural, I shouldn't be sitting at this table. It can create relationships and give you access to places that you wouldn't normally have access to. It can give you favor in the workplace and get you promotions that you normally wouldn't get access to that promotion. Why? Because when the anointing is on you, favor follows you. So the anointing opens doors that have long been shut. I'm going to pull out the story of Acts 8. I love this story. This is about Stephen, who's Stephen the martyr. Come on, he is a hero of the faith. But this is when Stephen comes to Samaria and he finds an entire city under the spell of a sorcerer named Simon. And Stephen came and this whole city's under a spell, but the anointing on his life opens up a heavenly realm, signs, wonders, and miracles begin to break out. And by the time Stephen left, an entire city was taken up by the joy of the Lord. Love that Ooh, guy. Come on. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, they were healed. And the anointing that was on Stephen opened the door. And then what's so cool is he leaves that powerful encounter and then he goes, finds an Ethiopian eunuch and leads him to the Lord. Wherever Stephen goes, he's used mightily by the Lord of typically what would be in the natural, a closed door, the anointing opened that door. So profound. Second, keep it 100 takeaway in terms of things that the anointing can accomplish is the anointing can make you succeed where other people fail. I remember one time when I was young in ministry, I was at an Arizona youth camp and all of a sudden this kid begins to manifest. And I don't mean a light manifestation, a little twitch, something like that. This kid had joined a Satanist group and he had pledged and asked the devil come to stupidest thing, right? And uh, he's fully demon possessed, not demon oppressed, uh, not bound, just bound. He is demon possessed. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of a service, and I'm young in the Lord, but I had prayed up because I just had no confidence in my flesh, none whatsoever. So I spent so much time in prayer. I was the morning speaker at this camp. It was in Arizona. The night speaker was a mentor of mine. But one time we switched so he could go speak at a Wednesday night service at a church in town. So that morning he was the morning speaker and I was the evening speaker. Now the difference is morning was kind of more of a teaching and it was less expectation 
expectation of a move of God per se, generally speaking. Night meetings, you, you raise your expectancy, you're ready to go for it. So in the night meeting, a little more, some more things would happen. So in the night meeting, this kid starts manifesting a devil. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the worship leader. He's looking at me like, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, we just got to get this kid to a back room just so everyone isn't paying attention and staring and gawking. And I just told the worship leader, just keep worshiping God, let lead the kids. And this kid literally flew over on his back as I walked over to him and walked away from me on his elbows and heels like a spider. And then he flipped back over and began to slither like a snake. Like you just can't do that. It was, it, the kid was demon possessed. We get him in a back room and all of a sudden this kind of a youth pastor, he kind of reminded me of like this cowboy kind of dude thought he was going to go in and he was going to save Dodge City. He goes in there and he jumps on the kid and he starts rubbing a Bible on the kid like the Bible itself is going to make the <laughs> devil come out like the Bible's ointment. And I'm not exaggerating. Keep it on the tribe. This demonized kid jumps up and bites a chunk out of the dude's Bible. That's, That's supernatural. Crazy. You, this is a thick Bible. This is like a Bible with concordance, okay, and maps. He bit a chunk, and then all of a sudden, my wife is laughing right now. Y'all don't. Y'all he can't said see maps. It. He said it had maps. <laughs> concordance and maps. Maps. The, the maps is what killed me. And we're all looking out of in into the room because there's like a little glass that you could look at, like a little glass window in the door. And this dude comes out going, "My Bible, my Bible, my Bible." Like his Bible's tore up, and so is his pride. Then the next youth pastor goes and jumps in and jumps on top of him. And this dude is kind of going to like beat the devil out of him. Yeah, he's going to get physical with the kid, which by the way, I would not recommend you do that. And the battle's not against flesh and blood and no exaggeration. There are witnesses to everything I'm saying. This kid does a backflip and kicks the tooth out of youth pastor number two. What? So this dude comes out looking like he just got finished in a hockey match. <laughs> he's missing a tooth. He's trying to hold his tooth because he's going to have to go to the dentist and get that thing sewed back in. However you get that tooth placed back in his mouth. I guess you don't sew it. But man, I'm, I'm contestant number three, y'all. I'm looking through the window and I'm like, oh my God, these are two guys I respect. They're older in the Lord than me. I'm just the morning speaker that got drafted on the night. And so I go in there and I don't I don't rush. I take a minute. I, I invite some intercessors to come in the room with me. Some of the older ladies at the camp said, y'all pray. And all of a sudden I felt the anointing of the Lord came. Seven devils comes out of this kid. He is totally free. And I'm reminded the anointing makes you succeed where other people fail. It wasn't that I was more mature than these guys. It wasn't that I was more righteous than these guys. I honestly, I, I it was just God, but I would say this, I was definitely more dependent on God because I knew I couldn't do it. And then I'm reminded of this scripture, uh, Mark 9, 14, and it goes all the way through verse 29. And it's this example where this guy had brought Jesus, his son, had a mute spirit and he also had epileptic spirit. This demonic spirit would throw him on the ground and seizes him. He'd foam at the mouth, gnash at the teeth, become rigid. And so the guy says in Mark 9, he says, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it up, but they could not. And of course, Jesus cast the devil out. And at the very end, the disciples do what I would have done. And when they got alone, of course, they came to a house. The disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast out the devil? And Jesus said to them, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I started thinking, like, did Jesus expect them to go run away and pray and fast? No. What Jesus was saying is that you needed to have been cultivating this anointing through a lifestyle prayer and fasting all along. So when you come up to a, a circumstance where others failed, you can succeed. Ooh, that was so good and hilarious. That was like the third keep it 100 takeaway is the anointing empowers you to press on. When everyone tells you to stop, come on, somebody. Yep. When everyone tells you to stop, when everything's hindering you from moving forward, the anointing will empower you to keep moving, keep come pressing, on. right? When men and women have become weary, when we've become weary in this last season, you're going to be enabled to move on and have been tapped into the anointing of God. And we're really reminded of this in the 
story of David and Ziklag. Yep. We find this in Samuel 30. And this is when, like, I, uh, for the sake of time, I won't, like, break it all down. But David has come from, like, the most difficult time in his life. You and I would say he's at rock bottom. He's lost everything. Everyone's against him. He has enemies. Even his own men are turning on him at this point. His most faithful warriors are picking up stones to stone David. Like, he doesn't have a friend, really. <laughs> you know, he, everyone's against him. He's lost a lot. And there is just loss, loss, loss at, right after one another in David's life. And he comes back to Ziglag. He's going to go home. He's going to see his wife and his kids. And he sees smoke off in the distance only to discover his kids and wife have been kidnapped. The village has been burned down. Home does not exist anymore. Uh, his his family has been taken captive. And he finds himself in this place of just absolute utter rock bottom moment. And what does he do? He does one of the most powerful examples of how we're to respond in the midst of crisis, in the midst of breakdown, in the rock bottom moments. And he says, give me the ephod, which is give me the presence of the Lord. It is what the priests wore into the presence of the Lord. And he's saying, give me the ephod. He's saying, I am a priest of the Lord. I'm going to come into the presence of the Lord because the presence, the anointing strengthens me to move on and to go after the inheritance of the Lord. He recognized that he needed the anointing to keep going. And the anointing empowers you to press on. The anointing gives you a grit. The anointing actually gives you a resiliency, right? Because when you got the anointing of God, you're like, devil, you don't get to write my story. You don't get the final say of my story. When you are anointed, you recognize that God has put victory in you, that you're called to be the head and not the tail. And anytime your story is in the tail mode, <laughs> it's in the contradiction mode, you know, then your story's not over. So and so the anointing presses, it empowers you to press on. And I love that takeaway because I think some of our listeners need to be reminded, get the anointing because that's where you're going to get your grip back. Oh my God. I'm about to shout you down and throw a handkerchief and throw my shoe. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on. The fourth thing that the anointing does, and this is so key, so key. I can't under, uh, emphasize this enough. The anointing destroys the yoke. Isaiah 10, 27 says, Come to pass in the day that the burden uh, shall be taken away off their shoulder and the yoke off their neck and the yoke shall be destroyed on account of the anointing. Let me tell you what, the yoke will stay in place if there is no anointing. And and literally where this is come, uh, where it has its origins is when cattles are to be, uh, you know, two cows are to be brought together so they could pull something that's called being yoked. And when the uh, cattle are to be yoked, they're first lured away by hay. This is what they would do. They would lure the cattle away by hay because they love to eat hay. As they come closer, a yoke, this wooden instrument that kind of, it's almost like neck handcuffs, if I could say it. As they come closer, the yoke or neck handcuffs are slipped on and tied. So notice the cows, they see somebody with some hay or go, mm, I'm hungry. And all of a sudden they come closer and these, these neck handcuffs are put on. And I, I think about it, similarly, the devil attracts you with something that seems fascinating, like drugs, alcohol, sexual encounter, whatever. But once you give in, the devil slips on a yoke. Then you feel tied down, burdened, unable to worship, unable to go after God. You lose your appetite. The things of the world at that point literally become so alluring and attractive. But what happens is if you get in the atmosphere of the anointing, somebody right now, you feel a bondage. I want you right now to find an anointed church, an anointed Christian, get in the atmosphere, begin to worship. And if you can't find someone, pull out the Bible, begin to read, uh, invite Holy Spirit and begin to worship him. Why? Because on account of the anointing, the Holy Spirit will come and break that yoke off your neck and those handcuffs will fall to the ground. The chains will be broken and you're going to know what it's like to be free because you were born for freedom. Come on. The fifth and final keep on our takeaway today is the anointing raises you to a higher dimension. Come on. We have to understand the anointing carries its own reality. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called heaven on earth. And God has called you to fulfill a divinely appointed destiny 
but you and I cannot achieve it through our flesh. Right. The anointing transcends your fleshly limitations, raises you to a higher dimension, and even supplies divine power to get it done through you and in you. Facts. So what does it enable you to achieve? What does the anointing enable you to achieve? The better question is what doesn't the anointing enable <laughs> you to achieve? Come on, somebody. The anointing qualifies you to deal with every aspect of life, challenges you're dealing with, drama you might be facing, dilemmas you're dealing with, and even death. Jesus did not do anything without the anointing. And although he was the son of God, Jesus did not minister as deity upon the earth, but as the son of man anointed with the Holy Spirit. The success of Jesus's ministry, whether it was healing or miracles or teaching or preaching, were as a result of his increase of the anointing from the Holy Spirit, right? I love this. So the Jesus did everything by the anointing of the Spirit. Therefore, he walked and accessed an anointing as a representation, as a picture of what was available to you and I. Remember, scripture says, and I love these are red letter words, that we will do even greater things that Jesus did. All of that is only accessible through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. One of the biblical giants once said, with all thy getting, get the anointing. And if I could really sum up this episode is that whatever you've got to do, guard the anointing on your life. Pursue God's presence, that the anointing is what sets your life apart. It's what you were created for. It's what will keep you free. It's what will help your friends. It's what will give you the right mindset and allow joy to flow in your life. Because at the end of the day, the anointing is a person. It's not electricity. It's not a thing. It's not goosebumps. It's not something that makes you holler, shout, fall down, get back up, but be the same. No, when the real anointing comes, you're going to be transformed and you're going to bring that transformation to every geography, every marketplace post you go to. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out, share this link on your social media platforms, and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you, so be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you do not want to miss the next episode as we're going to continue this conversation on the anointing, and we're going to have a special guest interview, so you don't want to miss it. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it